You're listening to Tabletop Arcanum, a podcast dedicated to learning and exploring the hobby of tabletop gaming. Your hosts are Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, so sit back and relax as we talk, discuss, and joke our way through the hobby we love so much. Everything you've heard about me is true. Lando Calrissian. In Star Wars Outer Rim, you and your friends take on the roles of bounty hunters, smugglers, and mercenaries and set out and to make your mark on the galaxy. You'll travel the Outer Rim in your personal ship, hire legendary Star Wars characters to join your crew, and try to become the most infamous or famous outlaw in the galaxy. Will you make your name by hunting bounties for the huts, stealing for the crime syndicates, or smuggling goods past the Imperial patrols? All this and more is possible as you adventure through the outskirts of the known galaxy. Set your coordinates, gather your crew, and make the jump to hyperspace with Star's Outer Rim. Hey, hey, welcome to Tabletop Arcanum with your hosts, Justin and Ricky. And if you couldn't guess by now, we got our hands on Star Wars Outer Rim. This uh, is true. And it made me feel a lot of things I haven't felt since I was a child. So you know what? We'll get into that. But before we begin, of course, we have to start with our roll recap. It's true. True. Um, so since our last recording, uh, me and Justin did the impossible, actually the possible, just I have a really bad schedule, so Improbable. it took forever. Yes. We finally got through all of Betrayal Legacy. So play two more games of that. Yeah. <coughs> Um, Cap that thing off. It was a good end to it. Um, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, especially if we do release the episodes of us recording it. You mean when we release these episodes? When we release it. I, it just makes me feel so happy the way that it ended. No one else was happy. I was very happy. Other than that, of course, we both played Star Wars Outer Rim. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a declaration on the last episode that I was going to finally make it out to... Uh, LCG night at our at uh, Lindsay's Gamers Garrison and pulled through, came out, had a blast. We did not win, but you know what? It's the friendships we forged along the way, you know, along the way of going crazy. So, right, fantastic. It was great. Uh, other than that, I have played just a few smaller games here or there, more five second roll, more Harry Potter. The the usual, the usual. Mm, mm. Well, what have you been up to over there, Justin? Well, besides the Arkham, which we played together, um, the crew of us stayed a little bit late after you had left and busted out the Pathfinder Adventure card game. Oh, no, I watched you guys play. Remember, I sleeved every single one of my Arkham cards in that time. Ah, that, yeah, you're right. You were there. There were, were a playing. lot of cards. So was Pathfinder. So this was the new uh, core set release, so one of the local guys picked it up. And we started power, powering through learning that game. Um, also got a game of X-Wing in. Got some ships on the table again and flew around. Uh, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and uh, and uh, Tucker, I think, was the third ship. So got to fly those around. Had a lot of fun using the uh, Delta Seven uh, Aether Sprites. And realistically, then it was just Outer Rim and... The other mentions would be like the free RPG day that we hosted at Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. So we had four, five different RPGs throughout the day. 
Um, kind of always had something running at any point of the day. Um, we had a beginner box Pathfinder, or no, beginner box Starfinder uh, session. We had a end of the world, which is also very good for one shots. There was uh, a couple of times, I think two times, uh, people played Dread, which is that survival horror RPG where you essentially pull Jenga blocks to take your tests. And if the tower falls, you die. Yeah, fair enough. So it's like, you know, who can survive the longest? Um, one of the local uh, uh, regulars picked up and ran a Starship Troopers themed Genesis game using the uh, Genesis system. So they were uh, trying to get uh, go uh, kill a brain bug, and then we had a uh, fifth edition D and D one shot as well. So lots of that, but more importantly, th- during that time, that was the same day that the GW um, contrast paint line was launched. So they were running demos and testing of all of those paints all day. Um, and even on their Facebook, you can see all the different samples of people painting. Um, he had opened a couple uh, spare boxes of A Song of Ice and Fire, which had a lot of detail on those models, pre-primed them, and then literally put them out on a table and went, grab a model, slap some paint on it, see how it works. Very nice. So you didn't have to even use your own model. You <coughs> pretty much just had to come in and test it out. So those are looking really great. There is, um, we'll talk about in the news, a little bit more about those, but... Mm. That's my role re- role recap. All right. Well, if that's the case, of course everyone knows. Now it's time for the news. Uh, to top it off, or to start it out, we're going to go into um, our giveaway. We did pull a winner, and congratulations to Michael Crisfield uh, from Muncie, Indiana. You'll be receiving your copy shortly. We've already talked to him. We just wanted you all to know that we're not just playing behind the scenes with our own board games. Right. So we'll be sending that Lord of the Rings Journeys of Middle Earth your ways. Very shortly. Awesome. So other than that, uh, we did have a lot of stuff be demoed, um, announced, um, quite a lot, especially with Origins Weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, a few that I really saw that I know that I am going to pick up immediately. Um, Toy Story Obstacles and Adventures. Uh, it is. Um, it's being released by the Op. Uh, two to five player co-op due out in quarter four of this year. Hmm. Um, pretty much, this is my girlfriend's other favorite movie series, and it's made by the same company that makes Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. So that means it's pretty much. It seems like it's going to be the same game, but with Toy Story. So I know that. It'll be easy for her to jump into and enjoy. Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle uh, Defense Against the Dark Arts is now available. It's a two-player, similar to the other um, Harry uh, Hogwarts Battle game, but instead of being co-op, it's a two-player competitive game. I did see that uh, Paradox Interactive is releasing City Skyline uh, through Cosmos. Uh, it's going to be a co-op one to four player based on uh, Paradox Interactive's Steam game. Um, and then I know we didn't mention this on the last episode. Uh, it was announced a little bit ago. 
Um, but you should be seeing Pandemi- Pandemic Rapid Response soon by Z-Man Games. It's a real-time co-op game. Uh, it's going to be available June 23rd. Uh, that is going to be in Target exclusive for a little bit, and then you'll start seeing it filter into your friendly local gaming shops. Um, but that looks like kind of like a cross between Pandemic and your 5-Minute Marvels where players are rolling dice and they're trying to um, get certain dice rolls to send out supplies. Other than the games that are announced and or released or anything fun like that, um, they did have the Origin Awards uh, winners posted. Game of the Year is going to Root by Letter Games. Mm-hmm. Board game, Root as well. Card game, The Mind by Pandasaurus Games. Family game award goes to the T-Dragon Society card game by Renegade Game Studios. Mm-hmm. Collectible games. Keyforge, Call of the Akrons, by Fantasy Flight Games. You've heard us talk about them many, many times. Role-playing game goes to Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition uh, by Modifist Entertainment. We played that back at Gen Con last year. That was yep. a ton of fun. Role-playing game support goes to Mordecai's Tome of Foes by Wizard of the Coast. Miniature games, uh, we do have necromunda by games workshop as well as star wars legion by fantasy flight games so our boys over there fantasy flight games two winners i'm just excited about star wars you know me right i think that's more it than anything else yeah pretty much and then uh best game accessory black dragon trophy plaque by whiz kids it's hard to call that an accessory it's a wall feature Eh, it's still fun it's I big. you know yeah I mean you could throw that down on the table and just say oh there's a portal opening it's big <laughs> I know you had a few items too uh right what's so, coming out and all that fun jazz so the the GW contrast paints um they made this huge push on it and they almost pull off exactly what they promise um because it's essentially the idea behind these contrast paints is you put one thick coat opposed to like two thin coats as they always used to suggest. You don't water it down. You actually just base coat the model with the special contrast base coats. And then you put the paint right over it. It works like a glaze or a wash so it's very liquidy and moves around. It stains the high points and then pools in the darker zones. And so you get this beautiful like highlight and shade all in one paint job. Um, the benefits that we've seen so far is in the hands of experienced painters you can pull off some crazy effects in like a quarter of the time that they would normally be taking with regular uh, the standard paint lines Um, it does take some use to getting used to so definitely use it on some test models first and kind of get familiar with how it works because you don't water it down you literally like paint right out of the pot which is a very counter to most painting when it comes to minis. If you do want to dilute it down, they do have a contrast medium that you can use to, to make it a little bit more, uh, uh, tone it down a little bit there. But ultimately, the big thing is, it in the hands of a, a hobbyist, it's going to do amazing things for them. But is definitely not necessarily an amateur's quick fix either. So it, don't expect to 
I've never painted a model and then be able to throw out amazing models with this. You will be able to get um, tabletop quality models very fast with it though, especially if you're doing it on like horde armies or multiple units of the same thing. This will help get a lot of that uh, gray plastic away from the table and then have at least some color out there for you. Um, FFG did post some information about the Worlds events that are coming up. They split Worlds up from into all the separate games now. So like Star Wars has its own Worlds events and it's all the Star Wars games kind of fall into the same kind of bucket there. But now it used to be like L5R and Game of Thrones, their Worlds events were put together. They're actually splitting those up. So L5R Worlds is going to be in November. That's uh, November 6th through 10th. And then the Game of Thrones Worlds is actually going to be in February. And that's uh, February 7th through 9th. Both of these are going to be up in the uh, Roseville, Minnesota at the event center. But it's a little interesting to see everything kind of split up and then um, having to make multiple trips, which is not necessarily as bad as having to choose which game you're going to play. Mm. Um, so if you're actually into both games, you can attend both events. Uh, Arkham Knights, uh, Arkham Horror Expansion Dead of Night for the third edition board game was announced as well earlier this month. That's going to be adding more scenarios, more investigators, more monsters, um, and even a little cardboard uh, monster uh, tray. Kind of like the uh, Mythos deck, Encounter deck had. So they're getting another little like display tray for you. Um, the benefit of this is during that stream, it was mostly confirmed through a tweet with Fantasy Flight that Arkham Knights is going to be October 11th through 13th this year. So to actually kind of have, because people have been kind of pushing for advanced dates because, you know, time off work, travel plans. It's something that, you know, we need a little bit of notice for opposed to like two weeks that yeah. we've, we've seen before. Um kind of a heads up is my last piece and this is for uh if you're looking to go to gen con broken token until the i believe it's the first of january is doing free ship to the con so first of july first of july what did i say january yes i mean you can order in january but you can't get free ship to the con at that point yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah first of july um so make sure if you are going to go to the con and want to save on shipping on these things because they definitely charge a lot for shipping because it's a lot of weight, as we've talked about in our Gen Con episode. This time I won't make you carry it. We've already had this discussion. Technically, you volunteered. I did. I, I did volunteer for yeah. that. But we had a discussion that either we'll run it over to the room right away or wait until the end of the day to just go and grab it instead right. of. Grabbing a first thing in the morning and then walking around the whole day. Exactly. So that pretty much does it for the news. On to Kickstarter Corner. I did see, um, did you see the Shovel Knight um, Dungeon Duels by Panicle Games? Nope. They have some great, uh, they've already put up a few a few uh, 3D renderings of the minis. And it's expect exactly what you would expect to have a shov Shovel Knight game. Everything looks pretty cool so far. I'm waiting to see more from it to see how it's going to play out. But that is going to be starting July 2nd. So we do have well, uh, about like two weeks until that comes out. Okay. Yeah. To when it launches, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. 
Um, as of recording today, AEG uh, put out the Thunderstone Quest. Um, Thunderstone Quest Kickstarter. Uh, this is the third Kickstarter for Thunderstone Quest, and you can actually get all of the Kickstarter goals from the other campaigns into this. So if you don't have anything, this is a great time to jump in and get Thunderstone Quest, which is that deck builder game. Um, they revamped it two years ago, then released a co-op expansion in the, in the last Kickstarter, and this time they're adding just even more quests. So I think they're up to nine total quests oh, very um, cool. with this expansion. So that is actually a really nice benefit if you don't have it yet. This is definitely a way to save some money and get a bundle version of it. Or if you do already have the retail, this is a way to get some of those exclusives as well. And then Tomb Guardians is still running their Kickstarter, which is successfully crushed their goals and and doing great stuff. Those those tiles look amazing. They look gorgeous. Um, we still got almost a month left. They've already reached their goal. And at this point, it is just uh, icy on the cake for, for what's going on in there. It is a little bit on the um, heavier cost side because it is um, highly detailed rendered models. Mm-hmm. And they're even using a uh, professional printing machine to make sure that they those micron levels are so small, you're not seeing the layering. You're getting a beautiful product right away. Mm-hmm. So that about does it for the Kickstarter corner. On to our main topic, which is Star Wars Outer Rim, the review. So this game was initially to come out earlier in this month. So we shuffled things around because it got delayed. So we got a little time with it, but not as much as I would like. But at the same time, that means our review is going to be popping out pretty much within a week of it coming out. So Exactly. So it is a one to four player game put out by Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, game design was uh, credited to Corey and Tony. Uh, Corey's done a lot of stuff for Fantasy Flight, so his name, seeing his name, is kind of like a stamp of quality in a lot of aspects. Oh, yeah. um, the game itself is retailed for about sixty-five bucks, um, and plays in about two to three hours, which. With two players is about right. With three or four players, add a little time to that unless you've actually played it before. Um, just because it, it's just more of um, everyone taking a turn. Turns are relatively fast, but then two players to four players are literally doubling the amount of time in turns. <coughs> once, you, uh, <coughs> once you start getting used to the game, the turns start becoming rapid fire mm-hmm. because you're just getting through them. Um I didn't notice like when we started playing, turns would take us maybe three to five minutes just to kind of figure out where we're going. Right. And then it's just kind of once we play for a little while, we started lasering in on exactly what we're going to do. Like, okay, this, 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 done. Right. So if you play quite a bit, yeah, you could probably take that time down, but anticipate spending some good time sitting behind it and good quality time. And it's, it's, it was, it's a fun, game to jump into okay so first impressions what do you got it's an interesting take on the board um i do like the horseshoe um layout of everything because we've seen games 
because um, we've seen games similar to this, like uh, Firefly, where you just have the giant board and there's multiple routes going everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you are kind of in a linear path to get from one side of the board to the other side of the board. Um, I thought all the art was very, very nicely done. Um, there's a lot of little tiny Star Wars references. All well, of course, there's Star Wars references all the way, all over the place. Well, there's really there's a lot of nods to super Star Wars fans, people who who've read uh, into the books or people who have seen the extended uni- uh, the extended um, outside the movie universe. Mm-hmm. So it, it's nice to play through because you see a lot that really is geared towards you, essentially. How'd you feel about opening that box up? Um, it definitely has a decent amount of components to it. A um, lot of it is cards. It's all the same size card, which is something I do appreciate. Um, their games tend to mix up like the American size board game with mini cards, and I just I'm I don't like to look at small prints if I can help it. Mm. So I don't mind the more larger cards and not have to worry about it. The actual game boards um, for the player stuff and your ships is very well laid out. Um, it goes very wide. So if you're playing solo, that actually has um, a small issue because then you're looking at having four of those in front of you as opposed to two. So it can get a little hectic if you don't have a, a wide table space. Um, it does make up with that horseshoe board um, where you can kind of put your market cards and your other things kind of inside of it to help kind of contain the mess a little bit. So it keeps the footprint very flexible, except your player area, which does need a little bit of space side to side. Um, the big thing that I noticed is that they're still using the database or data bank cards, which is what we've seen in the codex for um, Fallout. And we've also seen that in Arkham 3rd Edition with the Archive. So it's literally a deck of cards that is not shuffled. It's an ordered number of cards, and the game will tell you to fetch card X and do what it says. So it's a new mechanic that they've been exploring in a couple different games. Um, And this is just another one. Yes, you found this particular character, but then you have to grab this card to see really what's going on. Or maybe you got a job that you're trying to do the Kessel Run or something like that. It tells you the basics of what you need to do on the card and where to go. But then to actually do the Kessel Run, you have to grab that card out of the databank. I did like um, the reverse of that. Um, they had a lot of, if you fail, pull this card. And when you look mm-hmm. up that card, that number card, there's three or four of them. Correct. So you shuffle them and you pick one of them. Mm-hmm. And that really gives you a varied feeling to the game itself instead of okay i lost i know exactly what's going to happen right now it could be bad or it can be all right like mm-hmm. <clears throat> it really makes it um feel like a fr- I, I don't see it getting stale as quick as a game that's just like that just says if you fail then lose this or right and that's where taking the narrative out of that deck which is where it lived in fallout Mm. i think helps because fallout you kind of knew the paths once you played a scenario once or twice 
like, okay, I have to take this, which gets us this card, which does this, which will get us that card, which will... It does seem like the design's kind of evolved from there, which is very good. But one thing that I will also compare uh, this to Fallout is those player dashboards in Fallout are self-constructed. So you have, like, this little, like, special section that you had to actually punch, like, the double layer cardboard together with little pegs. Um, the double layer cardboard in this one for your player dashboard is completely 100% done for you, ready to go. And um, quality-wise, it's a little bit nicer to that. So talking about setup, it's a pretty fast game to set up. Um, you sort the decks, you throw everything out, you build the, build the board. The board itself has a standardized um, layout. But they do suggest that if you want, you can shuffle it up and lay it out in whatever order you want. It just may provide some game imbalances. And that's mostly because there might be, um, for example, Jin, Jin Urso's personal goal is to blow up the two Imperial planets. And in the preset board, they're pretty much halfway across the galaxy from each other. But there is a possibility they could be next door neighbors, which would set her at a very quick advantage with a board setup like that. Mm -hmm. So there, there is definitely rod logic to how they have it preset, but you can always mix it up if you want. Um, I did see um, mm -hmm. when we were playing, uh, a lot of the jobs were in one corner or the other corner. So that's another one where I can see yeah. if you shuffle it, all of a sudden, everything in the deck is could right be, smack dab in one area. Yeah. yeah, A lot of it does also come to where you are and where you pick it up. Because mm. those deck, the market deck that you're talking about for those jobs is randomized. Mm -hmm. um, for example, the I had the uh, gift for job of Rancor that I just had to pick up on anything that's not tattooing. So me plant hopping one step over. Pick it up. I was able to pick it up one turn and then next turn go and deliver it. So it's all really what's available in those decks and what's there um, and where you are compared to the destination is more key than everything else. Um, so setup is pretty quick because a lot of it is put everything out, put the tokens in the pool, grab your hero or bounty hunter or whoever character you're going to represent, and you get one of the two options of the starter ship. So you can get the G1A Starfighter or the G9 Rigger, more of a cargo ship. So one's a little bit faster, one's a little bit more uh, geared towards ship-to-ship uh, -ship combat. Um, most of the characters will also fall into two categories. They'll either be kind of a smuggler or they'll be more of a bounty hunter. Doesn't necessarily put you out of the camp of doing either version of those types of jobs, but... The bounty hunters are a little bit more suited to do the bounty jobs, and the smugglers are a little bit more suited to do the uh, smuggling jobs. Not necessarily a bad thing. It just they're geared towards what they're doing because the big thing is you're trying to reach ten fame or infamy in a standard game, and you get points based on doing those jobs. So it's really just a race to see who could do the, the their jobs better or faster than everybody else. Um, we've talked about the components a little bit. Um, I like the larger cards. Um, they're all the same size. The nice thing is, um, if you do sleeve them, uh, and get like the the board game medium sleeves, the uh, non glare mat that I prefer, 
Um, they come with little boxes, so you can like just throw all the cards in these boxes, and it picks, it fits all in the box very nicely and cleanly if you do that. Um, other than that, the the comes with a couple bags. Um, if you are in looking for more dice, the dice themselves are gold marbled versions of the X-wing red dice. So. If you got X-Wing laying around, you can grab some of your red dice from that and use them in this game if you want to have, especially if you have more players and you want to just have everybody have like a, some dice near them. Yeah, and you'll you'll start to notice when you are facing off against certain ships, it's kind of nice to have all your dice laid out to know what you have and have someone else roll. Mm-hmm. Um, we start seeing that where you had to roll five dice and you were facing off someone who had to roll four dice and but there's only six in the in the box yeah yeah it honestly it's a common fantasy flight problem is there's usually just not enough dice you can always pick up re-roll thing and and that's you know a workaround but Mm -hmm. sometimes like you said it's nice to kind of have like all my dice faces that i did get in front of me for you to remember this Mm -hmm. is what you have to be um the rules themselves are relatively straightforward you, it's three steps in a turn. There's a planning phase, an action phase, and a counter phase. Planning phase, you either, and the rules reference cards are very well laid out in the sense of you get to, here are your options, pick one. Okay, now in the action phase, do as any or all that you like. Okay, so action phase, anything that has labeled action you get to do, you only get to do each action once, but you can do as many different ones as you can or want to at that point. Um, the, the the faction patrols that are out on the board, there's the Imperials, the Rebels, the Huts, and the Syndicate. They move based on the market decks that you can buy from in the, in the action phase. So that's where you get your cr- cargo, that's where you get your jobs, that's where you get your upgrades, possibly new ships, all from this market step in the middle. And that's where the board kind of takes its own little micro-turn within your turn as you buy something. Uh, and then lastly, you have an encounter. So depending where you are on the board, um, if you are on one of those patrol spaces, you can encounter them. Or if you're on a planet, you can encounter something on the planet. Uh, and the planets also have other NPC named characters or familiar faces that you can encounter as well. So you have a little bit of options all over there. And if you're at a planet that you have a job for, you can your encounter could be doing that job so you have a lot of different choices but you only get to do one of those encounters per turn so um the only other rule that uh, you didn't get to experience ricky was uh the ai so playing solo Mm -hmm. um you play any character you want and then you set up an ai character who has to there's very specific ones that can't be. Essentially, it can't be the bounty hunters, which provide a little more player versus player. The deck's just not built for that. Mm. It's more the... So the AI cards is like an AI deck. And on their turn, you flip it over. It has their planning step, and it's do first that applies. This, this, or this. Okay. I did this. Move on to their, their planning step, or their action step. Do this, this, or this. Okay. Now their encounter step do this or this or this and it's a very much an order of operations you just execute all those things card gets discarded and it's back to your turn um 
there's a couple weird interactions on there and there is in the rules reference guide like a two-page appendix all for the ai definitely highly recommend the first time you run through the game with ai have that page handy because there's some weird interactions that can pop up that you just might want a little clarity on but for the most part they act like a player fair enough mm-hmm. um what do you think the game did well Out of everything, I think it was very well laid out um, to get someone into it real quick. It did take that like two or three turns for you to kind of figure out what you're doing. And then Mm -hmm. afterwards, it was just, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm pretty much I pretty much know what I'm going to be doing for the next two, three turns. Like you got into it and you Mm -hmm. you understood what had to be done. Um, I think I think the marketplace was very well done. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to let you decide what you're going to buy, as well as um, bury a card and draw from any deck, and then decide if you want that. It kind of gave you that mechanic of, well, I want to buy something, but none of these are good. But I know I don't want you to have this one because you mm-hmm. are right there, and that will get you an extra uh, fame, fame, and that could end the ten, game right there. Or $10,000 or something mm-hmm. to deal. Or it's an upgrade that you really just don't want in your opponent's hands. Yeah, you're right. Um, Market deck is really well done. Um, The board layout is relatively clear. Mm. Um, I do appreciate a lot of the art, like you said early on. Um, Playing X-Wing and playing the other Fantasy Flight Star Wars games, there is a lot of recycled art. So you might see, like, Millennium Falcons can look. Art is very much right off of the the ship card in X-Wing. And things of that nature, but that's not an unusual thing from Fantasy Flight. Even playing the Arkham card game versus Elder Sign versus Elder Tor versus the board game, I've seen the same art in, mm-hmm. in that world all over the place. Um, sometimes it's hard to even remember, like, oh, that's this. Wait, no, that's in the other game. But ultimately, it is pretty. It looks Star Wars. It kind of feel star wars mm-hmm. um it is a pick up and deliver game at its core so um those are the things that it does well um some of the opportunities for this game i feel the player interaction is very low unless you're a group of bounty hunters and then if you start collecting crew like you get a crew member that i have a bounty on then we might start interacting with each other a little bit more Mm. but other than that we kind of leave each other alone it's like screwing each other over in the market deck is the most real Mm -hmm. um painful part for another player and i wish there would be a little bit more in for that Mm -hmm. um well, with that being said, too, it's a competitive game that doesn't have that over-competitive feel where you feel like you have to cut the throat of someone to win. So I could see it both ways, but yeah, we could have played this game by ourselves and not even known the other one was playing. Right. So. While low player interaction is not a bad thing, almost none. True. Is where I feel like this could have had something because we're talking smugglers and bounty hunters. 
they're gonna run into each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the more the more pain that you get is actually like moving, having the patrols move in the wrong spots and having to either fly mm-hmm. around them or deal with them, and the patrols mm-hmm. seem to be more of the thorn in your side than another player would be. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe you can even you couldn't attack each other unless. No. There are certain stipulations on a job, you have, or you have to have a job, or you have to have a bounty that's or an on upgrade. That, yeah, on that crew. Mm-hmm. Um, Bosk's personal goal: if you actually flip him over, he can attack someone anytime he wants. Mm-hmm. But really, only gain uh, benefits if someone has more fame than him. Mm-hmm. He can go attack them and then steal a fame. Is that all the time you can attack someone and steal fame from them? That's Bosk's upgraded Oh, ability. that's only Bosk. Okay. Right. Because, you know, I was looking at, there was an upgrade for one card um, <coughs> that, may, uh, that made it so that anyone could attack you. Correct. But I couldn't really figure out a reason why anyone would want to attack you other, other than disabling you. But right, which loses, pretty much knocks you out for, for a turn. You just can't move for a turn, correct? You can still market phase, and you can still If you're encounter. on a planet, sure. If you're not on a planet and you're out in space, it's pretty much a dead turn. Fair enough. So, and But they're stuck on the same tile as you until... Right. Oh, but you can't attack them back. Never mind. Right. Okay, now I'm yeah. following. Yeah, it's, the benefit to that card was that anytime you would gain a fame, you would get an extra fame, which is really powerful. Mm-hmm. The downside is you literally like come at me, um, mm-hmm. and people can just blast you and, and stop you. The other thing that you lose, um, because we didn't have a player interaction and we never really got uh, to the point where we were knocked out. When you're knocked out, you lose three thousand credits, and you lose any secret cards you may have. And then on your planning step, you have to recover your damage. So it kind of stalls you for a turn where you're standing and go- gives you a, a cost penalty. Mm. So it's there's some benefits. Um, the ship upgrades are kind of neat because you can. there's a bunch of different ships you can get. Um, most of them are very recognizable. You get mm. a generic version of like a YT-1300. And then it has a goal that if you can beat that you'll get a fame and then it turns into the millennium falcon which gives you a special power um they have the yv666 which turns into the hounds 2 um slave 1 like all these iconic ships Mm -hmm. for the characters that you're playing are out there so it does do a lot of good in that way but i just feel those like that player interaction piece is i wish there was more to it Mm -hmm. um i had the same problem with firefly though it's a pick up and deliver game that you really don't mess around with each other. It's just a race to see who does it best. Until they had added the most wanted um, expansion for that game. So it's a definitely a mechanic that if they're looking towards other pick up and deliver space games like Firefly, there are some examples of how to inject that into the game and make it an optional thing if your players want that or not, and just not have that expansion. Mm-hmm. So, who would you recommend recommend this game for? Any, any pretty much Star Wars fan who's looking for an easier game to get into, um, I would say that this is less complicated than a lot. Of, this is no rebellion. Yeah, this is less complicated than a lot of Star Wars games already put out there, um, and I mean it's it's all in one box. So, I mean, you look at a lot of Star Wars games, 
uh, Imperial Assault. Um, well, it's also new. That's true. Give it time. There may be. I don't. I don't anticipate a whole lot of expansions for it. They're There's giving, a lot of room. There is a lot of room because they and give, it is a modular a, board, so I mean they right. can add a lot to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But there's a lot of space for characters and cards and Fair ships. Enough. And the the other opportunity I do see this game having um, doesn't... When I was first playing it and first setting it up, I was very concerned it was going to have the same problem that um, Arkham Horror 3rd Edition had, the same problem that Elder Scrolls base game only has, mm-hmm. and some of these other adventure games that Fantasy Flight has put out. They put out these small decks of locations like, okay, Castle, there's 10 cards. You're going to see a lot of them. The benefit of this one has is because that's your encounter step, you're not always grabbing a Castle card. Mm-hmm. You're grabbing a job that you're trying to do. You're looking at one of the two contacts on there. The contacts one a little bit dry because you're using 100% of them every game. So once you've figured out what Chewbacca does on a contact, you know if you're Han Solo, you just have to go find Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. He's out there. Um, or, you know, Hera Syndulla mm-hmm. is out there. You know, you know once you've played a few times and kind of ingrained mm-hmm. some of who these people are and what they do mechanically, you might target them. Um, mm-hmm. And they only have one card in that data pet deck. So I see potential in the game for expanding those horizons. I thought it was going to hinder it more than it at the very first game I played. Mm-hmm. But with how variety you get to do a bunch of other stuff potentially and not just burn through a deck repeatedly, that saves the repetitiveness a little bit. Yeah. I did also like, um, I hope you didn't just mention this because then I'll feel like a real jackass. Edit that out. Um, how they make you pull cards. So mm-hmm. when you have a really big job mm-hmm. like uh hijacking a freighter when you're done with that you pull it out of there so people can't just mill that deck correct mill the market until they find that again because it it's a lot that you get out of it or delivering a rain core or or and tons mm-hmm. of other jobs yeah there's a lot of things that get recycled in but then there's like very key things like you said the hijack a freighter uh the kessel run that i mentioned earlier those are one shots when someone has successfully done it it's out of the it's out of the game for the rest of the game mm. so you actually set the card aside and it's it's over which i i definitely like that um because you don't want those being just recycled mm-hmm. you know doing the rebels a favor doing the syndicate a favor and it's kind of a generic like here's five thousand credits and maybe a reputation mm-hmm. not a big not a big deal to have those recycled yeah so recommend Definitely, if you're into a little bit lighter games, I would say this is on the lighter side. Um, probably one of the more lighter, lightest Star Wars games that's out in the market. Because uh, compared to like Destiny or Imperial Assault and Rebellion, um, it definitely, I, I guess it's heavier than Loop and Chewie, but mm-hmm. that that's a kid's game. So most things are going to be heavier than uh, a Loop and Chewie. But yeah, I, I think it's really good for that light pick up and deliver game. It does it in a decent amount of time. 
and is very accessible. Um, the four-player cap is a little restrictive. I always feel that, mostly because I have way too many people to like game Who with. always show up at so, one time. So yeah. four-player games just kind of drop off a lot for me. Um, so that would be my one thing. It does play solo, which is why I definitely was excited for it because um, the, I think the most frustrating games I see out there are like they this is three to four players. Like, that's it. Such I, an I, odd I, number, yeah. I can't have myself and my wife play. I have to find a third wheel or another couple. Or a third Ricky. But yes. That's me. That's yeah. you. So those are um, kind of the people we would recommend it for. Um, I would not recommend it for someone looking for a deep, heavy strategy game. It's You're not going to... It's there. There is some strategy, but it's not enough to, to keep you going for a long time. Mm-hmm. There definitely, Rebellion is much stronger in that capacity if you're looking for a, a Star Wars strategy game. Um, if you're not a Star Wars fan, you may want to just pass on this one. Mm-hmm. They lean very heavily into the theme, it, and it is very like Solo and Rogue One era is where it's kind of sitting in the timeline. So if those left a bad taste in your mouth and you're a Star Wars fan, maybe not. But Yeah, they do have um they do have some rebels and, and Right. Uh, it, it's the pre Civil War mm-hmm. era. So it's before the original movies. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely after the prequel movies. Mm-hmm. Because you, you have things like uh you didn't see them in our games, but Thrun is in there. Um Hera from the Rebels is in there. Um, Han and Lando are very much in there. Solo looking. I'd say uh, <coughs> maybe a little bit after that, but uh, like Lando definitely looked more like Billy D. Williams than uh, uh, Donald Glover. Right, and so and Solo was like that too. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's more that in between time. It's mm-hmm. after Solo, but. Not very far after either. Yeah. Um. But I liked it in in the sense of, I think it'll hit the table more as a lighter pick up and go game. But I don't see it getting a lot of mileage with the heavier gamers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would definitely play with a uh, a group of diehard Star Wars fans. I don't think this is something I would bust out on a. Sunday family game day. Well, unless all your family is diehard Star Wars fans. My family might enjoy it. Um, I will say that you won't hate your family like Monopoly after playing this game. So, Low player on player action pretty much triggers that. I mean, you, you beat me in our last game and it was just one of those ah darn moments instead of like me flipping the table and burning down the house. That's because you almost thought you won, and I just stole it from underneath. Yeah, I you. think I'm more upset about that. I, I was, <laughs> I was very ahead, and then you just kind of gained six fame out of nowhere. Well, it wasn't out of nowhere, but it was very, very fast. I'm watching you. But remember, we both had like four turns of failing to do our job in a row. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. that include me. I'm I'm gonna hold on to this as a win because I 
forgot about my Lando ability. That's true. All right. Well, I hadn't seen Lando played before, so I I knew he had something, mm-hmm. but without I read the card. Th- that's why I grabbed him too. I'm like, oh, you can re-roll a dice. That sounds amazing. And then completely forgot about it for the first half of the game. Yep. So I just kept failing everything. So, final thoughts. I'm picking up my copy tomorrow, so, I mean. I think it has a home in my collection. I don't know if it's going, like I said, I don't think it's going to hit the table too frequently. But as a solo game, I'm probably, I'm okay with it playing it. uh. (laughs) Solo game. Yes. I know. Get it. Get it. Justin. Yeah. I've been waiting for you to make that joke all this time. Justin, I don't think you get it. Han Solo. Yes. The Han Solo game. It's kind of like Air Force One, but in space. Yep. Harrison Ford. Get off my plane. Get off my plane. So, without further ado, I think we give this a, uh, I give it at least a mediocre pass. Um, I give it a solid pass. It's it's a game that, I mean, just playing it, I want to play more. Sure. So, um, this means wrangling up all my friends who like Star Wars and forcing them to play with me. I don't think I'm going to have any problems after they play one game. Right. But um, this isn't a game that my girlfriend's going to play with me because she has particular tastes and Star Wars isn't her IP. So I understand that. Fair. So next time you're preparing for a trip. Mm-hmm. So we'll be talking about gaming on the go. And that isn't taking your Switch with you. Exactly, exactly. A lot of small games packaged, what works when you're traveling, what doesn't work, what to expect, uh, all that fun. Tips of getting through TSA with games. Oh, yeah, I have stories about dice. but I have a story about cards. <laughs> so we'll talk about that in next time on Tabletop Arcanum. I guess may the force be with you. Is that appropriate? Or are we no, going to get sued? Um, I hope the power. Is I hope the in space you? wizard's abilities to do weird stuff is in your favor. This is not the copyright infringement you're looking for. to Tabletop Arcanum, hosted by Justin Taylor and Richard Geese, and featuring the original music by Paul Moore and Isaac Gilbert. You can follow us on most social media platforms. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.